Hello and welcome to Core Truth, the podcast show, where we will discover the core truth that controls our experience of life. I'm your host, Mark Follett, and together with my friend, mentor, and author of the book, The Truth of Love and Fear, Rudy Ecker, we will peel back the outer layers of consciousness in order to understand and realize the nature of our perceptions and the beliefs that control the experience of our lives. We will uncover the true nature of consciousness, what drives our personal actions, behavior, and feelings in life, and what really motivates mankind. So we welcome you to join us on a journey of self-discovery, self-realization, and self-awareness to give you a new insight into who you believe you are. Hello and welcome to Core Truth. Mark Follett here with Rudy Eckhart. Today we're going to be discussing something rather controversial in a way. Uh, We're going to be discussing violence in relationships, uh, specifically domestic violence uh, in particular. And Rudy's very passionate about this topic and uh, the information about this topic features in the current book that he's writing. The, the current solutions that we have here, Rudy, seem inadequate. Well, the problem with domestic violence, and I think most people will be aware of that, is that most activity that occurs to solve the problem can only be applied after the event. So that means that the violence has already taken place. Um, somebody's got hurt. Uh, that person now needs protection. Uh, often there are children involved. Um, The law springs into action, police spring into action to protect the person who's the victim of this and... um, And punish the perpetrator. And potentially to punish the perpetrator or to restrain them either physically, if that should be the case, or put out a restraining order so that he can no longer be near the the other person. And um, So so as you uh, said there, the focus then is on... After the event has happened, the violence has happened, there's, there's a lot of effort put into the, the cleanup process or trying to keep people safe from it happening again. But that doesn't help with prevention of or, or diagnosis of the problem in the first place. What, what causes this? I mean, where, do, where does domestic violence come from? Where does the need to... I mean, clearly from the work that we've done together and from the podcast that some other people will probably listen to, fear has got to be at the core of this of this issue because there's violence, there's unpleasantness. Fear is definitely involved in this. Fear is involved in all distorted behaviours that people display. Um, And violence is probably obviously one of the worst things um, as a reaction, as a response to something that's going on within an individual. As a behaviour. As a behaviour, yeah. So... The present efforts that are being put in are basically to deal with a situation that appears to be unpreventable and can only be responded to after the event by the things we just talked about, including the fact that we try to create more severe sentences, um, that we try to get the police to take a different attitude because in the past the police has been found responsible for turning a blind eye to this sort of um, violence in, in at the home because it was seen to be something between a man and his wife and it was at one time in our history quite acceptable for a man to hit a woman yeah i think i think that's definitely becoming less so in today's society it's 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 an outcry about uh about domestic violence in general in in the media and uh from what i see there's definitely a lot of impetus on getting people to report domestic violence and there's a lot of seriousness put on that but again it's it's a lot of effort put in after the after the violence has happened and i think there's obviously a lot of lead up to it you can't go throwing people in jail because they might commit violence so the, the, the tools we have to be able to prevent it um, don't really lie with the police. It should be quite obvious that the real way that prevention can take place is if the potential victim and the potential aggressor uh, had a level of awareness of what they might potentially do in a relationship. In other words, how through their own experiences, they start to view their own behaviour um, 
as unacceptable. Now, when I'm talking about this, I think most people will immediately jump um, to the idea, and this is one of the biggest problems, that obviously the aggressor must be the responsible party and the person that is being abused is the innocent victim. And that is one of the biggest problems that we have, which is perception. And perception is shaped by lack of insight and lack of knowledge and lack of what's really going on. So when we just observe it and we see one person hitting another, then we immediately think, look, he's doing it to her and he must be responsible. Or if it's the other way around, if a woman is doing it to a man, then uh, we have terminology for that for the man, which is quite demeaning. But there are men who get abused by women. Mm -hmm. uh, if not physically, there's certainly many women who abuse their men verbally. Or psychologically. Yeah. And psychologically, mm -hmm. yeah. So give it, taking this as a given, right, um, the perception that is created by what we see does not uncover or does not show or does not reveal the reasons why both these people, both of them, the victim and the aggressor, are in the situation with each other that they're in. Mm. The actual truth of it is that it is very, very likely, and likely means like more than 80%, that both parties have been involved in abusive relationships before, either as the abuser or as the abused. Mm. Either as children or in a, in a previous um, marital relationship. Well, in, in just any relationship yeah. that they had, when, once they grew up and became adults mm -hmm. and started having relationships, that the victim would have already attracted, prior to that, abusers. Mm. And the abuser would have been attracted to uh, women that were available to be abused, if you like. That, that's right. We've talked before on the show about <clears throat> creating your own reality. And the problem is that if you only apply that to positive situations and say, oh, I, I'm creating my own reality when good things happen, but when bad things happen, there's an external source and I, I, I have to blame other people, it, it, it doesn't work like that. You're, you, you create your own experiences and your own reality all of the time and especially you're involved in negative experiences that you have. So if you're a victim of violence, you are to some extent the creator of that reality and have to take responsibility for that. But what needs to happen is that as a society, we need to understand that there are mechanisms that need to be put in place whereby those fears are dealt with before it becomes violence, physical violence. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I don't think it's quite clear what you mean in this moment, what those fears are, right? So I think we need to explain that and understand what causes this in the first place. What, what sort of fears are related to these two individuals that are involved in this violent relationship? Okay, there, there are a number of things that are relatively well known, and that is that uh, a lot of people who, both the victims and the aggressors, um, come from abusive families which are either just psychologically abusive or both physically and psychologically abusive. Um, but you can't say that's the cause of the... Well, it is in a sense such. the cause, but it's not the cause within the individual. Mm. Right? I'm not to go into a metaphor, but I can't think of anything. So, <laughs> so, so what I basically want to say is this. Uh, I'll try and give an example, right? And what I'm going to do is give an example of one family, right, uh, in which there are a boy and a girl growing up with an abusive father and a mother who feels, who is the victim of that, right, who is receiving that abuse, right? And so when you, when you have that kind of dynamic, then first of all, the girl that grows up will have a tendency, in this particular case, um, I, am, I am shaping this family, all right, by, by yes. what I'm saying, okay? So <clears throat> I'm excluding other possibilities to make a point here. This would be a fairly common... Scenario. Yeah, a fairly common scenario and a very likely one, mm -hmm. but there are exceptions. Which, but I'm not going to talk about the exceptions because they will confuse what the point we're trying to make. So the girl will instinctively and innately align herself, her perception of her own femininity, to that 
of her mother's perception of her femininity, her personal power, her fears and insecurities. So basically you could say that the fears and insecurities which will, which will result in emotional powerlessness and um, helplessness will be taken on by the girl because she will that will become the definition for her daughter as to what her femininity is all about. This is reinforced by the behavior of the father to the mother who then elicits from the mother this very powerless, negative, helpless response. And she is then seen to be the victim of that abuse. And you're saying that the, the daughter of this couple would generally align with the mother in terms of her strategic behavior of how to cope with that situation. She will also know, she will see her also herself as being a victim of her father, potentially, yes. and therefore of men. And so that is reinforced by the father's behavior. And the mother's behavior. The, as mother's a, as behavior, the mother's behavior is not so much her behavior as well as her state of mind, mm -hmm. which constitutes her belief systems about who she is. Mm -hmm. And that inner identity would have to be one of someone who is powerless, helpless, fearful of confrontation, fearful of making decisions and choices to pick a few things, um, does not uh, relate in a strong way to her femininity. So she doesn't see any strength or power there. She sees powerlessness and helplessness. And a low sense as of self-worth. A low sense of self-worth, yeah. insignificant, worthless, um, incapable of standing up for herself, often doesn't have an opinion, um, is terrified of speaking her mind, uh, is emotionally suppressed, often incapable of loving. Yeah, and you're not here describing, this is an important distinction, you're not describing how that woman has ended up as a result of the relationship, you're describing how that person is. Entered the how, relationship. How that person entered the relationship. Exactly. And she, what, what she expected out of it as a result of right. how she entered it, right? How she entered it makes her also a very needy person. Needy for love because she doesn't love herself. Needy for protection because she feels powerless. Needy for significance by getting attention from a man because she feels worthless. Uh, and so this neediness plays a strong part in it. Because she's incapable of giving love, acceptance in an unconditional way, support, care and protection to her daughter and to her son, both of these people right, also finish up with the same issues. That the, they don't, the, the kids grow up with they the don't, same issues. The kids don't love themselves. Mm. They don't accept themselves. They feel powerless and helpless. They feel insecure. They feel um, they have low self-esteem in a general sense, right? Uh, and so the daughter will adopt the mother's passive behavior, let's say, and therefore um, feel helpless in life. And, 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 and she will enter relationships then later in her life where she enters that relationship with that same She's basically going to repeat her mother's pattern. Repeat the pattern, yeah. Right? Without realizing that her perceived powerlessness is just perceived in the sense that it is a powerlessness that she believes to be true because her mother was that way. It's not an actuality. It's not the truth. No, the truth is not she was not born that way. She mm. was made to believe through being raised by a powerless mother that she is powerless that she is worthless and insignificant because her mother feels that way, that she's unlovable and unacceptable because her mother could not and did not have the capacity to love and accept her unconditionally because she didn't feel loved and accepted herself. So this, this transference of this perception of self, right, takes place in an abusive family, right? The boy does neither get love from his mother because he's incapable of giving that because of what I just said, but also not from the father more than likely mm. because of his issues. Now, the so, father... So what would the father's issues be? Like, because well, we've spoken a lot about the mother's issues there. If I tell you how the boy grows up, then you know the father's issues. Because <laughs> it's you know, the same, it's a repeat pattern. It's a repeat pattern. So, mm. so the father behaves aggressively, angrily, uh, controlling, dominating... Uh, has to have things his way, is often quite selfish, self-centered, has a, has a, certain types have a need 
to prove to themselves that they're attractive and desirable to women, so they tend to flirt, they tend to need women's attention, which then makes their partner or wife feel insecure. Um, some will have no qualms about having sex outside marriage uh, because they just find themselves driven by their need to prove to themselves that a woman wants them, while at the same time they have massive issues with trusting women emotionally, <laughs> right? And therefore finish up choosing women that are powerless and helpless in the sense that they feel, the women themselves feel powerless in life, right? Which allows then him to be in control of the relationship because the way he was raised, right? He was raised by a mother that couldn't show him love and couldn't show him affection, which is how his son being raised yes. because his mother cannot... So, give so love. it connects down through the generations. So then the son feels powerless to be loved and wanted by a woman and has no control over it, but learns from his father that by being dominating and controlling and by being aggressive, you can control the relationships that he has. So when he grows up and starts having relationships and his fear comes into play that women will not be there for him, cannot be present for him, Right that he then feels that he needs to control the relationship to avoid being abandoned and deserted by a woman emotionally or physically or both, right? Um, and in that sense, he becomes the aggressor in the relationship, just like his father was. And repeats that pattern that his father And if this, boy, this boy and this girl came from separate families with a semi-identical situation internally yes. and it's not an unlikely scenario right then they would be attracted to each other yeah it would almost be a perfect fit from the the way but it the, is yeah because it is the perfect fit between the aggressor and the victim where the victim can only live out their belief of who they are and their insecurities and their needs with a man <clears throat> who is the perfect counterpart for that and the man's the perfect counterpart for that is a man who appears to be to them um, strong, capable, competent, and very protective through his aggression, if you like, which makes him look strong to her. An over-controlling nature. His over-controlling nature makes her feel protected safe. until it becomes a yeah. restriction, mm. makes her feel safe, mm. as you say. So, so I mean, there's, we're not suggesting here that any woman that's, that has been hit in a relationship has consciously chosen that particular experience. But what we're saying is that if the woman was a different person to begin with, her fears were not there in this respect that we're talking about from her upbringing, yeah. she wouldn't have been in that relationship in the first place. No. Because she wouldn't have been attracted to a man that was... She wouldn't be attracted to a man like that because she will attract a person who is complementary to her issues yes. and to her needs and expectations. Now, if she doesn't have those needs, which are based in fear, powerlessness, helplessness, low self-esteem, worthlessness, insignificant, um, feeling unlovable, undesirable to men, right? Um, like her daughter now feels because her father couldn't show her love. And certainly her father abusing a mother didn't look like love at all. Mm. So her, her daughter has a whole set of issues around men that makes her suspicious and distrusting of men, right? Which then causes her to put the uh, potential for a relationship through a testing phase, right? If the man doesn't appear overly interested in her or paying enough attention to her, it obviously means she's not good enough for him because mm. she assumes that she's not good enough. Mm. She's not attractive enough. She's not desirable enough. And so those are the men that she is not interested in. But then there is this man who sees her and pays overt attention to her, sends her 20 text messages a day, wants to know where she is, what she does, what she thinks, what she feels, um, what, what, what makes her laugh, what, what, uh, whatever it may be that pleases her. And she believes now, here's a man that really loves me because it convinces her. His behavior is what he has learned on how to get a woman's attention, how to get her to want him and to be interested in him mm. and to control her. 
because, well, initially she will feel that his overt attention and wanting to know where she is and who she's with and who she's talking to and what she talked about, right? That it means he's so interested in her and so into her, while it's actually controlling behavior on his part because he fears that she will abandon him emotionally, right, and go for another man, and he wants to know who she's talking to. Mm. Is the man? Is he interested in her? Is she interested in him? I can imagine that gets old very quickly in a relationship. It doesn't take long for her to figure out that, that she can't have any, that he starts to talk badly about her friends and that she, he um, wants to control where she goes. And he, just, he doesn't like her going to lunch with her business associates. And she doesn't want her to travel to another place to, um, you know, for work or something mm. like that. He doesn't like her to go to conferences and stuff like that. Might even choose clothes for her or make her, make her wear particular clothing. It or, can, you know, it that can go as far as that, that he will yeah. control the way she dresses mm. and where she goes. And that he will actually um, start bad-mouthing bad her friends, finding things wrong with them, and gradually isolate her completely from everybody else to have complete control over her life. Mm. It goes that far. It, it literally goes that far. Now, knowing all of this is still not enough to prevent it. All right? Knowing all of this just gives you an idea how you might be preventing it. It's a, it's a bit of a background to – it's almost like this in, – in our society has grown like a cancer that's passed down genetically through all the generations and it just keeps perpetrating through – generational uh it's not like you obtain this information genetically from your parents but you obtain it as a child through their fears and insecurities yeah, and we can, you can call it emotional genetics emotional like. genetics in a way yeah um it, so. it, it is passed on from generation to generation and it is like a template of uh beliefs that is passed on a template of fear hmm. that is passed on from generation to generation which results in beliefs which are really negative for the expression of the self and for the fulfillment of someone's potential. So it's quite obviously that neither the victim nor the aggressor can fulfill their potential living in fear, not in relationships or not even for themselves. Yeah, just in life in general, they can't fulfill no. their, their unique potential. No, they can't. And they won't evolve because they're stuck in their fear. So the most powerful tool that is available is to make or help people to become aware of the reasons and the causes for their feelings, their behavior, their choices and decisions in relationships. Now of their own of their own issues and behaviors. Of course, that's yes. where it starts because because self self-awareness, self-diagnosis if you want to call it that, um is the key to preventing this. Because if you can self-diagnose and recognize that you are actually attracting abusers or that you can recognize that you're the abuser, right, yourself, mm -hmm. because you, you have these issues with women, you find yourself being driven to act and behave that way, right, and you begin to realize that that in the long term will not work for you. It will not work for you in getting a a truly loving relationships and it will not work for you to fulfill your life potential. If you realize that you can start looking for help and you can start looking for help by going to people who can help you release those belief systems so that you can change who you are. All the current help and support is about changing behavior. Trying to, trying to curb behavior or be strategic about changing. Change that behavior, yeah. To, to just change a person's behavior. Uh, and that that is not in itself enough because it is not the behavior that needs to change. It's the cause for that behavior that needs to change. Mm. The beliefs that sit behind that. The belief fear. systems that support this behavior, which are belief systems which are the basis for by which a person identifies themselves so, so it makes up their sense of themselves or their ego self if you like mm. and so once you once you go there and you change that by releasing these particular perceptions which constitute fears an individual would automatically change 
because without those perceptions, they become different people. And the difference that comes to the surface is actually what happens is that they become who they were originally meant to be. Their unique and different self. That they, Their unique nature they, comes unique, to the surface. Yeah, it comes to the surface from and, where they were. And their born. capacity to love themselves comes to the surface. Their capacity to accept themselves. They will start to recognize and appreciate their value and their significance. They will start to speak up for themselves. They will start to take a stand and be capable of confrontation. Now, once a, a woman, for instance, right, who is a victim, because these are the people we actually want to protect and and we don't realize that the the abuser <clears throat> also needs to be protected from himself, if you like, because he's in a sense a victim of his fears and insecurities just as much as the victim is who gets to be abused by him. Yes. Um, that... Um, yeah, there's no winners in that situation. There's no winners on either side. No. And to, to, to just look at it from a law perspective that the person who gets hurt is the victim and the person who does the hurting is the perpetrator, so he needs to be punished, right, is from a psychological perspective not enough. And it should be unacceptable in a way because this is human behavior which is driven by a psychological condition which um, is reme- can be remedied, right, can be dealt with in a very, in a very effective way but seems to be beyond the perception of current psychological practices and the perception of the organizations that want to prevent this. Mm. And to me, that's an enormous frustration, as you can probably hear, (laughs) right? Because I feel that I understand what's going on, and I've done work with people in the last 25 years, particularly with women who have been the victims of that, and occasionally with men who have been the perpetrators of this and who who come to realize that this is unacceptable. And it's been totally successful because once a woman, right, lets go of her fears and insecurities and the beliefs that make her feel inferior, inadequate and suspicious of men and make her believe that she's unattractive and undesirable to men and therefore compromises in the way that she does and doesn't stand up for herself. Once she releases all of that, you get a different woman. Not only is that woman different, but she's not attracted to that kind of man and she can spot a man like that a mile away mm. across the room. <laughs> she knows that type and she knows that that's not her type and she will start to be attracted to men she wasn't previously attracted to. Mm. And men that were not previously attracted to her will be attracted to her. Mm. So she moves to a new level of beingness, if you like, which then moves her to a different space a different realm, if you like, of um, of humanity where she is in contact with a different realm of people. Well, because like attracts like in terms of belief systems. Exactly. So if you if you remove some of your negative belief systems, your uh, some positive beliefs come to the surface that you love yourself and, and therefore you can meet other people that have the same beliefs about themselves. Generally, chauvinists are attracted to chauvinists. Mm-hmm. Egocentric people are attracted to egocentric people. But victims also are attracted to victims. Mm. And the victims of men are attracted to the victims of men. And it's not unusual to have a bunch of girls together, a bunch of women together, who all have massive issues in relationships and can do nothing better than to sit there and complain about it and cite event after situation to um, confirm... Reinforce. And reinforce that to each other and to themselves, that they're definitely the victims of men. Mm. Because men do this, and men do that, and men behave this way, and men don't give them this, and men don't give them that, without in one second not even looking at themselves and wondering, why am I here? Why am I having this experience? Why am I Why do I feel this way? And why am I with women who can't get on with men? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are all my friends the same? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So self-interrogation, or providing the information to um, to enter a process of self-interrogation, which would lead to self-awareness and insight, right, would be extremely helpful in the prevention of this. Would would even more helpful if we started to teach people how psychology actually works within themselves, even as early as high school. Mm. 
Yes, absolutely. Because you'd be surprised how easy kids understand this stuff. Far easier than adults seem to, <laughs> who seem to be rooted in a particular way of thinking, which then prevents them seeing the obvious. Maybe they live with their fears for so long they can't remember a time or they can't imagine a time that things were different. Maybe children haven't quite got into the mode of focusing 100% on their, on their fears being reality. Well, I, I, I dare to generalize on this right now, and I'll basically say this, is that if you haven't resolved it within yourself, you won't see it within yourself and you won't see it in others. Mm. So if you walk around with a fear and you deem it to be the truth, then you won't see beyond that. Mm. So unless anybody, and whether you are a counsellor or a, um, I go as far as to say a psychologist or psychiatrist, and you still walk around certain fears that you're not aware of, you are likely to see the cause and the reason for that in other people if you don't understand it within yourself. Mm. It's not something you can learn out of a book. No. Because once you start learning things out of a book, you're not really in touch with yourself and not in touch with the other person. So it's like looking in a mirror and trying to see the back of your head. In a way, you know. In a way, it is like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you that... see the obvious, but you don't see. Like you look in a mirror and you see your body. But do you really understand how your body works just because you see your body? The answer is no. No. And so in the same way, you are in the world, and the world actually is a mirror for who you are. So what you experience in the world and what you have an emotional experience of in the world is really a reflection of you because you are the filter through which you see the world. Mm. And you may think that the world is causing you to have this perception, but the fact that everybody perceives the world differently will uh, challenge that. Mm. And, so, and so in relationships, when we go back to the abused and the abuser, to the victim and the aggressor, to the helpless and the overpowering, you know, to the um, to the uh, to to the person who who is the perpetrator and the other one who is the receiver of all this violence, right? When you go deeper down, what the interesting part is that they both have very similar issues. Mm. That they're both, in essence, powerless people. Yeah. That, that the man feels powerless in respect to women and to themselves, and for the woman it's the same. What is really different between the two is how they deal with that powerlessness. Is their, is their strategic behavior. And that is their strategic behavior, right. as you're saying. So one strategically uses avoidance, which is the woman. Mm -hmm. She avoids confrontation, avoids conflict, avoids asking for anything. So instead of asking directly for what she wants, she nags, she complains because it's an indirect way of trying to get what she wants and that she cannot be held responsible for directly asking for it. Mm. Um, it is uh, avoiding uh, 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 herself even, like her, her confrontation with her own issues and then transferring that responsibility externally, right? The man does the same thing, but he does it aggressively. His transfer of responsibility is to the woman, it's your fault. You're not complying with my needs. You're not complying with my expectations. You're not complying with my sense of insecurity to make me feel secure. And it's the, it's the insecurity that causes the controlling nature. It's a suspicion, distrust, suspicion. insecurity, mm. um, the fear of being powerless, the fear of rejection, the fear of abandonment, the fear of not being loved, the fear of losing control. All those create the violent behavior. Mm. When the woman does not comply in the way that he wants to feel secure, then his fear will drive him to violence. Mm. And it drives the woman into total avoidance. And so, so there's, there's no solution in just protecting the woman. And also in, in, in separating the people and, and, and saying, well, we're going to put the men in jail and the woman's going to go into women's yeah. shelter or something like that. It doesn't really help um, because that those people aren't just this way in relation to each other. They're this way in relation to their interactions with everybody in the world, right? Yeah. So that their issues are not just in relation to each other. They're intense with relation with each other because they live together and they're in a close relationship. They're more you know, intense in, in, in intimate relationships. In intimate relationships. Because in intimate relationship, the central currency is unconditional love and acceptance mm. or 
Love and acceptance being totally conditional. Conditional to expectations, needs, wants, wishes and desires that one has of the other. But the problem in separating the people is that the individuals have not moved past their issues and therefore they will interact in the same way they did with each other with everybody else. They will attract another partner. But right? even in their working relationships and even in their... There's um, always elements of it being played out everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. It, it, it appears everywhere in your life. Um, he was trying to find another woman that is um, um, passive and compliant. Mm-hmm. And uh, she will... She may um, eventually finish up with a man who appears to be passive and compliant and non-confrontational and not aggressive, but the potential is always there that he will then try and control her through guilt. Mm. So it's it's a non-physical violence. Non-physical violence, if you like, yeah. (laughs) Violence through making her responsible for his issues and acting the victim and controlling her that way, Mm. which then means that she's living with somebody she's not really attracted to, manipulated by him and then she's in a guilt relationship which is no better in many ways other than that she's not being physically abused but she still gets no love she still doesn't feel secure she still doesn't feel safe she still doesn't feel special because those are the issues now within her and not the responsible of a man to fix once you start going into a relationship and this applies generally whether you're in an abusive relationship or not because um, every Relationship, if pushed, if pushed to the limit, can potentially be a, become a violent one. Yeah, it's within human nature. There's a there's an aspect of this that if we have fears and imbalances inside of ourselves, that we always choose people that complement those fears and imbalances. And if you take those fears and imbalances to an extreme, if it's possible. And it may not always be the case that it's possible, but if it is possible, then, you know, you could you could strike out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it is possible. I've had a client who had never been, he was in his 30s, never hit a woman in his life, and got involved with a woman who is the kind of woman that we've described, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who's a victim and, and needy and demanding and complaining and never satisfied, unhappy, feels unloved and unwanted, never gets enough attention. And he got to a point with her, but he got so frustrated and hit her and surprised himself and got shocked about himself and came to see me in order to understand why he did that Mm. and that he never wants to do it again. It's interesting because some of the – we were reading earlier some of the things that are offered as um, almost counselling services for men that are in this situation and – Part of part of that was explaining to them that it was the wrong thing to do, and the story that you just explained, I'm sure that a lot of these men, because you know they're in they're in this place of fear and insecurity, and they probably don't even understand their own behaviour. They're not they know that hitting a woman is wrong, and they're quite remorseful after it happens. And I don't th- I don't think they think it's the right behaviour. I don't think they think they don't think they're think- going around thinking, oh, this is what this is the right thing. This is actually what the world, the way this world should be, and how we should be interacting. Yeah. Look, I think I think many ba- many men have enough ego, and lack the amount of self responsibility to find a way to justify their behaviour, mm. because saying by saying things like if she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have hit her. Mm. If she hadn't said that, I wouldn't have hit her. So the transfer of responsibility is usually there, as if they can't help themselves hitting her because she said it. And it made me feel that way. Mm. So they take no responsibility for what they feel. They take no responsibility for their actions because they don't understand the mechanism inside themselves which drives them to do it in the first place. Mm. The problem is the people they're talking to, the people that are counselling them doesn't, don't understand it either. Mm. They don't understand the process inside these people. And they focus on the behaviour and on their lack of self-responsibility without giving that person the understanding why that is there in the first place. And that's what's lacking. And that's why there's no real prevention in the real sense. Because it's not understood properly in the first place. It's not The, 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 the mechanisms by which this comes about and the way you can resolve it, as they're both not understood. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to explain a little more just quickly um, on the 
on the on the resolution of this issue, the way you see it as a society, perhaps rather than as an individual, um, what, what's what's something? You know, how can we how can we work? I mean, this is something, as I said, it's something that's come down. It's generational. Yeah. Um, it's inset in our society, and no amount of changing the laws or separating people or you know, putting people in prison or shelters is going to solve the root cause of this issue, which is this fear-based um, family scenarios that, that keep cropping up because as long as these people exist, they'll have children and their children will have the same issues. So I'm kind of lost with where we're going to go with this and how are we going to evolve yeah. as a society to get past this? Now, it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's almost worthy of a discussion of on its own as yeah. to how... Where society going to go? You know what? Mm. How can we? How can we solve generally the issues of fear-based society? Mm. Right. But if you start talking specifically about domestic violence, I think, I think the ideal way is to start education in the schools, mm. create an understanding and a self-analysis process, and uh, a self-understanding of what's going on. You could probably use bullying in the in the schools as essentially. Uh, another relationship that has exactly the same dynamic as what you've described for domestic violence. So you could definitely use this same teaching that you're that we're talking about here, the same um, principles apply to bullying. You could start the discussion with children in, in primary school. You could, you could start the discussion with people at primary school, secondary school, university. You could um, do all that. There are intrinsic problems in making children aware of their issues, which is that you make them aware of their parents' issues. Mm. And they're going to live with their parents. <laughs> and the parents may not necessarily feel um, that uh, being exposed as violent and abusive, um, an endearing experience uh, that they want to share with the rest of the world. Mm. And so through the school system, there will be exposure which is, which is, I don't know whether that can be prevented uh, and whether you should have um, parent nights where parents come to school and develop a greater understanding about themselves and their relationship with their children and the impact that they have on their lives, whether that would help mm. to create clarity. And it might, particularly if, it, if, if, if that was done at primary level where parents... Um, uh, I've spoken to and explained the dynamic between themselves and their children and what the impact is of their state of beingness on the state of beingness that their children will develop, um, that the awareness in parents will grow and they may well, for the sake of their children, start doing something with themselves and alter the inner dynamic they have with themselves in order to change the outer dynamic they have with their children. As you said earlier, I think the important thing here is that it's very hard to see that your own fears and insecurities and then you won't see them in others. And if people then are shown that these are potentially issues, they will. It's, the self-realization is the first step in this. It has to be. It has to be. It has to be. And, and that is just one way we can start early prevention through changing kids' minds, right, mm -hmm. by, by changing their mindset about themselves and their inner, uh, their inner sense of beingness in terms of releasing their fears and insecurities, which will make them more powerful people in the future, mm. right? They will be... Um, and, they, and powerful, not in the connotation of being controlling and... No, 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 self-empowered, self-confident, self yeah. self-trusting, yeah. self-loving, self-accepting. Mm. Um, obviously, the, that is one level where prevention could take place. Uh, the second place where prevention could take place is creating early awareness in young adults that are in relationships and already experiencing relationships and giving them the opportunity to understand themselves. And some of the things I said earlier on about creating some sort of process of self-analysis where, whereby they can realize whether they are in an abusive relationship or not and uh, to make them understand that they can change this by taking responsibility changing, rather than blaming. Changing who they are. No, but yeah, that will be the ultimate goal. Yes. But first of all, they need to know that they can change. Oh, yes. That they have the capacity for mm. change. 
and that the capacity for change can only come if they take personal responsibility for the issues that they walk around with instead of blaming their issues on other people or men, mm. right? It's the same for men, right? Yeah. So they need to be aware or become aware and made to realize through a process of self-analysis that they need to do something about themselves. It, it's it's an interesting concept because the, the point of violence, say we're talking a 30-year-old woman that gets hit by her partner, but that point of violence was not the first time this issue had come up, right? Highly unlikely. And 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 it's most likely that when kids were in primary school, they were they're a victim of some sort of bullying, and in high school, the victim of some sort of bullying with regard to, you know, um, other other girls the same age picking on her or something like that. And then her first couple of relationships might have been might not have worked out, you know, with her with her boyfriends. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it becomes almost like you get a, a few goes at it and you get a soft introduction to these issues. And if you were taught to look at yourself critically from the outside objectively and say, why am I having these scenarios re- reoccurring in my life? Then it doesn't get to the point of violence because you then identify something early enough that it doesn't get to that, that point of violence. Well, identification of it is the first step. It's the first so step. self-awareness is not change. Let, let's be yeah. clear about that. Mm. Uh, in fact, you know, being being aware that you have issues that can lead to violence can be an additional fear, <laughs> if you like, because then you fear going into a relationship because you think, if I go into a relationship, I'm going to be hit again because of something that's going on within me that I can't control, okay? So there needs to be an understanding that responsibility here is not blame. Mm-hmm. And that's probably <laughs> just a bridge to cross for many people. Responsibility is not blame. Being responsible for what you create in the world through your fears is not blaming yourself. It's just being responsible because nobody else can be. Because it creates power in you. It creates the power. It gives you access to changing it. And it that gives you the power to change it. And each of us was born with the power to change our belief systems. It, it, is, not, it is not like you cannot change yourself. You can that the tools of this, uh, that the tools for doing this are not so well known, I understand. Mm. Okay, I accept that. But that it cannot be done is not true because I've been doing it for 25 years. Mm. And so the capacity to do so is there. It just needs to become more known. It needs to be practiced more. And um, once people realize what is possible, it's usually empowering. Yes. That you can change yourself. That you don't have to live with your fears. You don't have to live with your insecurities. You don't have to live with your powerlessness. You don't have to live with bad relationships or abuse or violence in your life. That it actually becomes a choice. Not because you're choosing to live in violence, but you can choose not to. Yes, you've got the opportunity to choose not to, and that there's creates a, there's power a, for you. Yeah, there is an opportunity, and that is your empowerment to, first of all, choose to change. Choose to let go of these fears and seek out where you can find these processes that can do that. Mm. Now, I mentioned earlier um, that very early in the in the thing. Just to, just to wrap this up, you've you've obviously written um, a book, The Truth of Love and Fear, and it it crosses all the topics that we're talking about here and talks about this type of relationship. But then you're currently writing another book. Um, the truth about relationships, which will be on the market probably sometime late twenty sixteen, something like that. Late yeah, sometime this year. this year. Sometime this year. Yeah, so probably early this year. Yeah, early so, this year. Just so it's going to be edited, and it's going to be very specifically um, directed at this type of information, or we'll cover this very well. Well, there will be a, a chapter, right, you know, specifically about relationships because. Um, about victim uh, violence relationships. About violence, domestic yeah. violence, um, to 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 create some idea and some understanding as to as to why this is so. But the process for releasing it is just the same as all the other fears and insecurities that people have. Mm. So there's no extraordinary uh, process necessary for for this particular problem. Mm. Uh, it's just the same as all the other mm. issues that people have. Um, it's just that uh, domestic violence shows the extremity to which uh, our psychology can take us 
Well, see, it, it shows the extremity to yeah to which um, our fears can drive our behaviour yeah. to to violence is is the ultimate. I mean, and it's probably the same with any violence in the world. We've spoken about this before. In general, even countries have these this this relationship you're talking about between two individuals could also be applied to the relationship between two countries. One playing the victim and one playing the aggressor, and the, the way they play it all out is almost exactly what you've described for two yeah. people. Yeah, it's exactly. A c- countries can have like personalities that cause certain behaviours. A country as a whole could um, support a certain perception and a certain set of beliefs, which will cause them to behave towards other countries in a particular way. Mm. You could almost uh, take a country and give it a personality because of the kind of mentality that exists within on a whole, on a, as a as a collective, a culture. Yeah, as a collective culture, yeah. as a collective of people with a culture, uh, what they believe to be true, what they believe to be real, what they believe their status is in the world. It is another level of belief systems, mm, mm. which which actually springs from the individual belief systems, which you believe, yes. that we all walk around with. That's right. Um, it's a collective belief system. It's a collective belief system, which then manifests in certain specific ways. Which is a whole other area of discussion. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll get into that. Exploration. No, no, we don't <laughs> want to go there yet. No. Um, but but it's fair to say, if people want to know a bit more about this and start questioning themselves, as you said, self awareness is the first step in this. So one one way of becoming self aware is by doing some reading on this subject matter. And I, I've I've personally read your your uh, Truth of Love and Fear book, and I've found a lot of personal insights from that. And I think people probably should get on and have a read of that. It can be downloaded or bought. oh yeah, you can buy an ebook, of course. Yeah, um, from, so, from Amazon and there's a few other places. Yeah, you can if they want to look you up individually uh, or look up your book, RudyEckart.net, R-U-D-Y-E-C-K-H-A-R-D-T.net. Yeah, um, that's your website. So definitely check out Rudy's book because I think yeah. you'll you'll gain some definite personal uh, understandings and insights from. Yeah, you can order the book from there as well. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and there are some notes and stuff. And there will be podcasts on this podcast will appear on their website as well. That's true, and yeah. uh, I think you've got some excerpts from from your from that book on the website as well. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. There will, yeah. There's already some bits on relationships. I can post some bits on on um, paragraph here and there from the uh, violence in relationship chapter in the yeah. book. Yeah, and and give you know broaden the outside or the insight into this. A bit further for people, mm, mm. but the book about the truth about love, um, love and fear uh, already carries all many of the things that we've spoken about today. Mm. They're actually in that, and probably explained in greater detail um, than just talking about this chapter as we just did today. Yeah, mm. yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you again very much, uh, Rudy, and thank you to our listeners. We'll we'll. Uh Come back with some amazing topics in the in the, next, in the coming weeks. So, My pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you, Rudy. Really.